0: This is Alone With Our Principals, episode 6. I did not achieve this position in life by having some snot-nosed punk leave my cheese out in the wind. Our topic is, what makes a good principal? And our special guests today are Hesper Unified School District, Deputy Superintendent Joe Viancaskis, and Director of Secondary Education, Michelle Smith.
1: Alone With Our Principals is unofficially sponsored by Elmer's Glue. Not only can you smear it all over your hands and then peel it off like it's fake skin, it's also useful for sticking things together. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, at flyer, a slacker.
0: So far this semester, he has been absent nine times.
2: Nine times.
0: Nine
1: times. Alright, well good morning ladies.
2: Good, good morning. morning. How are we doing? We're doing well.
1: Kind of crazy getting ready for um, potentially having some kids back on our campuses, so that's exciting news. Yes,
3: it's so been fun. Rapid iterations <laughs> of ideas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can't keep
0: up. Constantly changing
1: we usually start off with what we call the quiz so our first question is and we'll start with you michelle what's a funny or memorable story from when you were a student
3: (laughs) um okay i i Is it okay if I share two?
1: Sure. Okay.
3: I only have two funny things that have ever happened to me in life, Uh, so I have to share them both. seriously don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The first was just what set me up as a student and kind of this expectation of me as a student. Um, My birthday is December 3rd. At the time when I was a student, that was two days after the deadline for a birth date to get into kindergarten. And I went to a local preschool and my dad worked a swing shift. And so during the day, he volunteered my brother's classroom. My brother's two years older. And so I would go with my dad to the classroom and then I'd go to the preschool. And my dad was feeding me information all the time. I was reading, writing. I was ready. So he took me to sign me up for school. And I remember being so little and looking up at my dad, being there at the district office when he went to fight the decision because he went to sign me up. And they said, no, I'm sorry, she's too young. She can't start. She has to wait another year. And I'm standing there. My dad is the most mild-mannered person that you would ever meet. And he was irate. And I remember him saying, You know you're going to be sorry for this decision. So a year later I started kindergarten and the next year I started first grade and the next year I started third grade and my dad said, I told you, you'd
0: be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Proved him right. Yeah.
3: So that's how my my education began. Um, and then moving a little further along, when I was 11 years old, my my mom is a seamstress. She's an amazing seamstress. And when I was 11 years old, it was a big deal in our family. I come from a family of seven, um, second of seven, and we never had much, you know? I mean, we, we were one of those hand-to-mouth families. Um, and when I was 11, I wanted to learn to sew, and my mom put a sewing machine on a layaway for me for Christmas. And I get this sewing m- machine. I only know now how much it cost because I happen to find in my boxes the layaway tag for it oh, cool. from oh, Montgomery
1: wow. Ward. Yes. Oh, wow.
3: <laughs> <Of course. laughs> All you kids out there that no <laughs> longer exist.
1: Now, where was um, this? was it, Were you in Southern California? Or? Southern California. Okay. We
3: lived, when I was 11, we actually lived here in Asperia by the okay. time I was 11. Sorry. So the layaway tag from Montgomery Ward for $98 for this sewing machine, which would have been a huge expense for them. So. I enter into seventh grade, I sign up for home ec, because my mom said, now you need to learn how to sew first before I'm going to help you any, because I don't have the patience for you. (laughs) And so I signed up for home ec, but I already knew some. I'd been, you know, playing with my sewing machine. And I was helping a fellow student in class, in my home ec class, They were trying to sew a pillow, and they were doing it wrong sides together. And everybody knows you can't do that. You have to do right sides together, and then you flip it. Of course. Of course. Who wouldn't know this? And so I was helping this (laughs) student. It happened to be a young man that I was helping. No ulterior motives, but I was helping this student. And the teacher kicked me out of class and said there was only room for one teacher in her classroom. So that was the end of my home Jeez. ec career at Hesperia Junior
1: High School <laughs> oh. 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 Yeah. Alright, um, Joby, how about you? I,
2: I actually took home ec to learn to sew because my mom did sew a little bit as well that's funny you say that but no, I didn't continue with sewing I sewed an apron and that was the end <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I think my mom still had the apron until she passed, so that's actually yeah, kind of you know. cool because I never wore it because it was actually ugly.
1: But <laughs> well, when I, I took home back in seventh grade and we had to make a t-shirt and a stuffed Sylvester the cat, my stuffed Sylvester the cat looked like it had been painted by Picasso. <laughs> I mean, the eyes I weren't the same. Glove. It was. They weren't the same size. The mouth was crooked. It was. It looked like this feral cat from... Well, I don't even know. But
2: kind of scary. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so your,
1: your fun and memorable school experience. Oh, my
2: gosh. Um, so... Getting older your memory starts to go <laughs> <laughs> so I could go back to um, I was in I was a sophomore in high school and um, if you know me I played sports and loved to be I loved to be around all kinds of sports and more of a tomboy grew up with boys you know in our f- family I had three brothers and so that was just going to happen i think i was supposed to be a boy but whatever (laughs) (laughs) um i was out on the softball field we were practicing loving what i was doing out there and all of a sudden loud over the loudspeaker an announcement comes saying you know they were announcing the homecoming court and back then we just did we didn't do it as big and extravagant as we do today right so announced it and i was named as a homecoming princess and i'm like what the is that? If <laughs> you is saw it? me, I have my ponytail, hat on, you know, I'm in uniform, I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And then I thought, this must be a joke, right? This is an absolute
0: joke. you ain't being pranked right now. Yeah, so I,
2: they said then we all, whoever was named, needed to go to the office to give us some information and whatnot. I'm like, that's a joke, I'm not going. I'm going to hang out here and practice softball, right? I played third base, I was yeah. excited, I'm happy. The next thing I know, there's a TA that comes out and says, I need to see blah, 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 to the coach and hands me a slip to go to the office. And I'm like, oh, they're serious. I'm supposed to go to the office for this. <laughs> so I'm like, I go up there and I'm like, what is this? And I go, like, oh yeah, congratulations, the whole bit. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I'm gonna stop, oh, well, back then I have to clarify. There was no freshman year. This was high okay. school with oh, right. 11, 12. All right. So it was my oh. first year in high school and not knowing all of those, you know, things that go on at the high school. Like I, I you, You're not serious right Look at me And I looked at the other girls That were there And I'm like Yeah Look at me
1: <laughs> See that's the funny part Of this story That I'm picturing I'm picturing three other girls Who this was going to be The pinnacle yes. Of their high school career <laughs> Who had jo- been flipping and, sh- and shopping Mom had spent $300 <laughs> On a dress And then Joey shows up In her softball uniform going, Eye black Going oh, What's this all about and,
2: that's exactly how it was. <laughs> and I was like, this is embarrassing. I have no idea what this is. And what am I supposed to do? Is there something I'm supposed to do with this? And was there a vote? <laughs> <laughs> Who voted for me? Who voted for <laughs> me? <nominated. laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so that was kind of the funny, awkward, um, somewhat memorable, but sort of. Um, But I also have another story, if I can say that, too, because, again, it falls around sports again. I'm, like, thinking back going, I guess that was my connection to school. It kept me in school. So not only did I play softball, I played basketball in the junior high. When I came to the high school, they did not have a girls' basketball team. Believe me. I was like, what? How can that be? So when was Title IX again? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So i didn't think that was right and that wasn't equitable so i got together with our junior high team and said girls what are we gonna do what are oh, we gonna do
1: the <laughs> activist comes <The laughs> yeah. out
2: so we got together we went to the office talked to some people and said hey what do we have to do to have a girls basketball team and they're like well we don't have one well that's the point That's right. the question <laughs> yes so they gave us a list of all the things we had to do it's like oh wow we gotta do a lot in order to get this to go through but we did it, we persevered. We didn't get it that year, obviously, because you had to get time, get people on board, get all these things signed, et cetera, et cetera, and petition for it. Right. We did it. We got a team. That was awesome. That We were part of the first girls' basketball team my junior year in high school, right? But unfortunately, we sucked. <laughs> 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 we lost every game. But you know what? We had the best time as a team. So that was the best part. Um, We even took, yeah, I mean, it was just fun. You just hang out with the girls and having that type of camaraderie, that kind of sportsmanship and whatnot, that was the best.
1: Right, those are great
0: stories. (laughs) Absolutely, all right. So we're gonna keep trucking along on our quiz here and I think this time I'll start with you, Jovi, I'll just go back to you. So uh, how about a best job you had that was outside of education?
2: That's actually, it's part of my passion. I was actually, if you know me, and people do know and let's put it this way. I love shoes to the point that my husband is now building me cabinets in the garage with closed sliding doors so that all my shoes don't get dusty or (laughs) sawdust from his work in the garage. I have a whole wall of cabinets now being built so my shoes are covered and protected instead of just on open shelves. So I love shoes, always have. I know that's part, maybe that is that girly side, if you want to call it that, yeah. but I do men. No, a lot well, of men do. Well, it depends. Love shoes. Uh, are, they like,
1: are they like work boots and cleats? and? You know?
2: A combination. I do have more, if you guys know me as well. My husband is a golfer and okay. has been for many, many years, right? I have more golf shoes than he's ever owned in all his 30, 40 <laughs> years of playing golf. So he reminds me of that often. Because
1: gotta match what you're wearing. You gotta right? match
2: the outfits. That's the coordination whole point.
1: is the key. I, right? can't, I can't argue this at all, just because of my running shoe collection. Yes. Uh, yeah. There you I, go. I'm, I'm right with you.
2: So, and and I'm not even a real golfer, so but it doesn't matter if you're gonna get me out there. And I at least got shoes. Me, look shoes. I got shoes. The fashion is gonna be on hold. Exactly. So, um, so my job outside of education, it was in college. I worked at Joyce Selby Shoes. Oh, oh my gosh, I was in love. <laughs> I got 40 percent discount. And all I had to do was deal with shoes and boots and put them on display, and and I got that huge discount. So needless to say, I had a great shoe collection, but I really didn't make any money, which was the purpose of the job. Right, no,
0: <laughs> pay yeah. so yeah, exactly. in shoes. I
2: was still in love. So what came there.
0: first, was it the love for shoes or the job selling shoes?
2: Love of shoes yeah. first. So, so as soon as I saw that there was an yeah. opening, i was like, oh, what a great fit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So did not know that. How about you, Michelle, job outside of education?
3: Well, to be honest, I haven't had much in the way of a career outside of education. (laughs) Um, When I went to college, I went to college after I had my kids. And so my job was being a a full-time mom was really the best job that I have had outside of education. I did do some piece work for a, it was King High Tech. It was a computer board building company. I wouldn't even know all of the right lingo for it, but I stuffed the little motherboards with all the little components and and <laughs> made, you know, what makes a computer run. There you go. See how much I learned? I Sounds mean, like I you follow, picked up a lot of technical hey, expertise. I followed the blueprint to a T, and, <laughs> and that, I was quick.
0: That's it. That's what was called. If <laughs> you could be quick and there you get the right slot, you right?
1: There we go. All right, and our last question for the quiz, and again, we'll, we'll go back the other way. We'll start with you, Michelle. Uh, what is a skill, talent, or hobby of yours that would surprise your students and colleagues? Besides seamstress, because we already is covered that. that
3: well, uh, you know what? I was going to go back to that, because it really goes along those same lines, um, especially, I mean, I've been in education for 26 years, and um, at my age, my experience has been that as a woman, I'm expected to fit in this, this false dichotomy. I'm either going to be very domestic or I'm going to be very career oriented and very strong. You've got one or the other. And um, I have always just loved, you know, the domestic arts. You know, I do craft night with with friends and family and I love to cook. I was always the house that even as you know even as a school administrator when my kids would bring their friends over I knew all of their friends favorite cookies and I was baking cookies all the time. I, I love to cook and I think that just surprises people because I think that we have been placed in this you know this either or so it's right. not only we are on these gender lines but then within our gender we fit in this perfect little box and so I guess my thing
1: is that you can't put me in a box. <laughs> well I think and at least uh, I think we've all sampled you're cooking at some yeah. point. Or <laughs> it it's it's not a secret right here. Game. I mean, no, you know, no. enjoyed it. I remember some baked goods that were exceptional. Yeah, you know, so.
3: it is an art. Yes. it is, and a stress relief. Oh, no, there you go. I, I, I don't know whether the baking or the eating. It's, it's the both. Stress. Yeah, probably both. It's stress. I love to cook,
0: but I do not like to bake. It's really. a very different skill set for me, and, and baking is much more about precision and patience. And
2: yeah, so I mean, I I love cooking, but yeah. leave the baking to somebody else. I like all sides of it. Yeah, she bakes. She's she's phenomenal.
3: For my birthday, <laughs> blessing yes. and a curse, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> what were they? They were um, Kahlua uh, uh, cheese cakes, yeah. mini cheesecakes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they she's were so good, so rich. Good. And it wasn't just the, the dessert itself. Her presentation of how she put it together well, so that's the crafty it, side right yeah. it's just the presentation in this box i just did not want to ruin the box <laughs> <laughs> all
1: the work to make a cheesesteak yes, you're not yes. just going to throw it on a plate and so
2: yeah i was able to share that though, with a couple people so
1: that was lovely nice. but yes thank you for that michelle you're welcome. Um, joby what about you uh, a special talent skill or hobby that would surprise people Oh, you guys already know i love sports
2: right well you know that now you may yeah. not have known that about me and those out there may not know that because yeah. in today's world you don't see me out on the basketball court or whatnot although i did play i don't know how long ago that was years and years ago um played in the staff versus students game at sultana and i actually played and people are like you don't know how to play and oh, blah, blah. so yes. i get out there Surprised and they see me dribble the ball down and i'm like they're like
1: can play basketball it's always great to be underestimated yeah
2: so i would say that that would be one of my i guess past hobbies but i still love watching it and participating when i can my body doesn't participate (laughs) as it did before but i'll still get out there and try in fact my husband who uh is a basketball uh lover as well we have this hoop out front and he will wouldn't as our kids were growing up i have two girls right would not let us leave at times. We'd be going to church, for example. We're all dressed, ready to go to church. We can't leave until everybody makes a free throw. <laughs>
1: there you go. God wants like, you to church. Me. So, but see, and
2: that leads to my story a little bit that you guys don't know is because I played basketball and I was a point guard, I'm too short to throw, to make baskets over everybody else because they definitely were towering over me. So I learned how to draw fouls. So what does that nice. mean? I had free throws. So I actually was awarded with the highest percentage of free throws, in whatever. Wow. So when he says, okay, you do free throws and he knows I can make free throws. He goes, that's fine. You can start, but we all have to make them. I'm like, oh crap. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so there were times where we were running late and the girls, girls, my girls, did not have the same affinity for sports and athletics the same way her dad and I. So uh, their dads and I and I. Um, so they they tried. We were late often to functions. But <laughs> sorry, we were
0: making free throws. Sorry, yeah. yeah. we're late.
1: Alex yeah. just can't sorry. hit it. it she, she was off today.
2: Yeah. So daddy did always lower the the net for them. You know the basket. So they did uh, eventually make it. So anyway, I do. I play basketball. Love free throws and I. If I practice a little bit, I'll take anybody on on free throws. That's just that's just a great story though. I mean, I bet the
1: girls remember that too. Yeah, oh, they had to do. shoot free throws. They do. I we mean, <laughs> that's funny. Very memorable. All right, so I guess we could segue into our main topic uh, for the day that we really want uh, to talk to the both of you about is, um, as deputy superintendent and as director of secondary education, uh, what makes a good principal. Uh, to you when you're hiring and just kind of work through it what are you looking for in the hiring process
0: I think it's worth mentioning I I think this is especially appropriate because I know that Jovi is certainly at a hand in my making my way to the district as a teacher many many years ago and I believe she was part of yeah hired me too yeah and I know over the years as principal and district office leadership you've had plenty of opportunities to hire teachers and administrators and all those things so um, the credibility certainly is there on that side of the table in terms of Really looking at what what qualifies somebody as a good school leader, a good principal. So um, glad to hear your wisdom. Yeah. Me.
1: So let, let's talk. When you when you're hiring, you're doing an interview. I guess first you decide uh, is this somebody that you're going to promote from within, or are you going to hire uh, on a panel or within, or are you going to hire from the outside. What goes into that?
2: Uh, what I, I I generally as you guys are examples of what we what I look at when I hire and I think our whole district does the same, we look for your heart first. We look at the heart. Do you have that passion and compassion for kids, for students, and then for learning as well? You know, able to help them access. Um, so yeah, that heart, passion, um, would be one of the first things I look for in somebody. What are some of the
0: things that you lo- listen for or, or look at when you're interviewing somebody that would show that, that heart, that passion?
2: talking about kids and the way they light up when we talk about kids or their experiences with kids sometimes you see it in their, uh, with their eyes you look at them and they just light up or they can't stop talking because they're having they're telling you the stories the, the experiences they've had with students and even if they weren't teachers before if I was hiring as a, a new teacher um, or even a new administrator just their life experience you know that you could still see that they have a love of children and you listen
3: for the pronoun it, it's very important that you're hiring somebody that's there. You don't hear I, I, I in an interview. You shouldn't hear that because we all know that none of us does what we do in a vacuum. You know, it, it takes a team, and you need to hear that there's a we, you need to hear that there's a definite team approach. to their their leadership. So a team approach, totally centered on students. So the same thing, you listen for the talk of a student and not just students as the object with which we work, but students as that central focus of of our
1: work. That's a great point, and that's something I learned from you, Joey, um, as your assistant principal way back. I I never heard you say I or my school or my students, it was always we and our, Mm -hmm. and to the point where that was just, and I don't know that you ever really made a point of saying, Chris, when you say this, it's just, you just that's the only way that I ever heard it so I think that I kind of adopted that in into how I talk about our staff and everything uh, to the point where it kind of hits my ear a little differently when you don't hear that but it's um, you know we all have the heart for it but it's it it really does that's a great point and um, to just make sure that none of us do work in a vacuum I mean, we, we all need everybody else
3: And you asked what you look for what do you see mm-hmm. And you can see um, a level of confidence because when you're hiring a principal, they have to have the fight in them to make the courageous and right decisions. Right. But then you also have to see a humility in them that it is going to be a team-centered and community-centered decision and not a, a self-centered decision. So it's like balance between strength and humility that are often evident i think yeah. in, in some of the the body language and some of
0: um, their too much approach. of one or the other can be a little dangerous yes. At yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yes and i guess as we all know there's just so many facets of the principal's job whether it's uh, instructional or culture wise or dealing with student discipline or making hard uh, personnel decisions um what kind of and i don't necessarily mean what percentage are you looking for but obviously there's going to be some kind of balance but um a couple of parts uh, to this, I guess. Uh, what do you see uh, the need for the emphasis on, if anything, and then how do you support principles that might be really strong in one area but need that in, need that support in other areas? Uh, where do you find, find the way to do that? Go
3: ahead. I'm trying it, to, well, it's funny because I think about the, there's the technical mm-hmm. questions in an interview often. Um, not generally to the same degree in a principal interview, but especially in um, an entry-level administrator interview. So you have these technical questions, and you're not listening necessarily for the correctness. You know, they know this law, or they know, you know, they have all of the right, because often we can all throw around the vernacular without having a deep understanding of what's behind it.
0: We're That's great not- with acronyms in education. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah, we got all yeah. the alphabet, yeah, sure. alphabet a, B, soup C, thrown soup. at you, yeah.
3: <laughs> but you hear the intent behind the response. So it's not the correctness of it, but you hear the character come through. And so it's not about do they know everything already, because the knowledge you can help them to get to. Yeah. But that character and the, um, the just those leadership skills, those are things that are harder to arrive at. It's much yeah. easier to help them understand the facts right that's and those
2: are yeah oh no, go ahead, go ahead. The, that's that technical side and so if you guys know how our process if i was just should gonna mention know, that yeah um the other side is where we, we we actually ask them to solve a problem or work with staff you know a mock kind of staff um, or a, a parent just you know disgruntled parent or teacher you know we put you guys in scenarios to see how you react are you going to come to the right answer, like you were just saying, with the technical? Maybe not. But what is your intent, and how do you come across? Do you work collaboratively with a team if you're presenting, you know, how to come up with a plan, or is it just your plan and you're telling people the plan, or is it something that you work with the panel, you know, with your quote teachers or your, uh, with the board or with admin together to develop something so you. Everyone is heard. You aren't. We don't. We don't look for somebody to be that top-down leader. We look for someone who's going to truly, as we call, lead from the middle. middle, Work with and work collaboratively to come up with the solutions, so that everyone feels like they've had a voice in that. And actually, you have more success that way.
0: For those that don't know, because a lot of people listening to this might not know, but you know, Aspera, I'm sure, like a lot of districts. When they're hiring administrators, it's not an interview, it's an assessment center. So Jovi kind of hinted that there's multiple components to that. So it might be a, a parent role play or a staff or a board presentation, um, a mixture of some kind, a writing. So there's multiple components to that. It, it's grueling. But, oh, yeah. But, the administrator but, you know, Olympics. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, uh, but it's it's very nuanced. You know, like what you said, it's not necessarily about what comes out of their mouth, but it's it's how it's delivered, and how they how they engage stakeholders, and how they respond, and how they're trying to find um and understanding without compromising you talk mm-hmm. about that fight it's like there's certain things we can't compromise but at the same time we can we can do it in a way that is done with love and compassion and care for the student the parent the board member whoever it is uh, but but listening for their heart as you exactly. said i guess it's really those nuanced pieces the body language sometimes says a lot too i know my very first time at the assessment center and i had the parent the parent interaction <laughs> thing um one of the. I'm not talking about my interview. <laughs> no, 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 um, no, no. That's no, no, no. going to be another. That, that's that's a that's
1: whole episode, episode, I think. But, yeah, um, yeah, episode.
3: it sounds like there's a story here that we, I We hear. we might
1: have to we might have to tell this story. There's a couple
0: stories, and yeah. you can tell one if you want. But what I'm referring to yeah. is. It's not really funny, but my very first time I interviewed for assistant principal, and I wasn't selected that time, but one of the things that, that I was grateful for is our district will do, like, ex- I guess you call it exit interviews or give us feedback. And these are things yeah. we saw in you that were really great. Here's some things I want you to work on. And one of the things, it was such a simple thing. When you guys talk about, you know, how people react, is like, so I think it was Mr. McCollum was the angry parent. And the first thing he said to me was, like, he said, you didn't ask me to sit down. You didn't shake my hand. And, and part of that was just nerves, right? I mean, I was yeah, terrified. Right. So he yeah. walks in and guns blazing, he's yelling about something. <laughs> and I, I and I think, you know, personally, and, and I was able to articulate well and, and keep calm and, and find resolution. But those little things, like, and I judge didn't think of it. It was like, you know, introduce yourself. Yeah. Can we have a seat? Let's sit down and talk and shake your hand. And, you know, mm-hmm. so those are some of those little things you look for that, that, you know, in that environment, as stressful as it is, keeping that human side in mind and, and, and keeping that as as important um, but you know it's part of the learning curve yes yeah.
1: and and the story i think we do want to save the story about how jovi and i hired eric uh, we'll save that for the uh the episode about with personnel and about hiring practices um but yeah um just to kind of as a teaser for that future episode um eric followed a candidate who was not a real difficult act to follow so we'll leave that out there. It was difficult for me because <laughs> of what I walked into. <laughs> so yes, Michelle will tell you when we're done recording. Okay. We'll stuff, so. uh, all right, so now you've hired a, you've hired a principal. Uh, they've got years of experience. So now um, think about the really the current principals in the district that have gotten their feet wet, so to speak. Um, they're going to have a different balance of strengths and weaknesses. We have some principals in the district who are really, really strong instructionally and might have some work to do on the culture or the personnel, or that others that are really strong with culture that need help with the instructional piece. Um, How do you identify those strengths and weaknesses and then how do you um, basically help them emphasize their strengths while not neglecting uh, the areas of growth? First of all, really knowing
2: your
1: principals
2: that you work with, right? as much as we wish we could be out there more often, from our end, you know, to be with them, meet with them one-on-one, as well as within their element, doing walkthroughs and whatnot, um, seeing them with their staff, staff meetings, or leadership meetings. Um, So we truly get to know our principals, right, and how they lead, and asking questions of them, and seeing, you know, just having those conversations and having that open and honest relationship, I think you, we can then be able to best support. And what we tend to do also is we come back as a team, as Ed Services, because all of us have relationships with all the uh, Ed Services team, have relationships with with the principals and the assistant principals and vice principals. We come back together and collectively talk about some of the areas of of growth that we see as a district, district district-wide. We talk about what is it that we need to really be focusing on to support our principals. And then we also have individual principals who may need some extra support, but we also look at it uh, district-wide because we want to make sure that as a team, we're all growing together. Building that trusting relationship with
3: the principals so that you have a trusting and honest and open transparency between you so that if there is an area that you can talk about a growth area and it's you know they they can be in a place of that vulnerability where they can hear what that growth area is and you can work together on it i think that's really important if you don't have that trusting relationship then that honesty comes across not as support but just as criticism and um, so working to to keep those relationships in mind and then helping them, if you're aware of what your strengths and, and weaknesses are, if you're truly aware, then you are hiring your co-administrator to compliment, not to reflect you. You know, you need all of the pieces on the team and you don't necessarily have to have all of the pieces in one person. You know, that's why we have teams. Um, and so I think that helping to, to build that awareness, that honesty.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about there, because I've had, um, I've been principal for what, this is my 18th year, if you can believe that, uh, in administration and, oh no, that's principal. That's principal. Jeez, i have um, so had this se- Chris. That just yeah, only emphasizes well. <laughs> how much older I am than you. Um, but I've had several assistant principals. I, I've had one in particular who is very much like me as far as how we approached Um, the staff and the kids and everything and it was a blast to work with him Um, but while we had the same strengths we had a lot of the same uh, growth areas so the site uh, we had to really bring in our teacher leaders and things like that we compensated for it Uh, but then I've had other assistant principals who are very different from me in both personality and expertise and that's a completely different relationship and i always enjoyed it where maybe there's something that i'm not as passionate about or not as knowledgeable in but if that's something that not only uh, my ap knows about but they love doing well that it's better that them do something they love than me do something that all right i guess i got to do this right. um yeah and so that's that's a great balance
0: and that comes also kind of like what michelle was saying that it comes from relationship at a co-administrative oh, yeah. level right yeah. and really getting to know because you only tell so much when you're interviewing or or, or choosing somebody, but then once you're working together and in this role, you have to work together to be effective. You have to be collaborative, but that takes time as well. You know, building that relationship with an administrator, with another administrator, getting to know somebody and getting to know their strengths, number one, and then being able to be smart about leveraging those strengths at the right times. And, you know, because I know myself, my co-administrator and I were just talking about this today, like I know one of my weaknesses is I'm not an event planner she is and i don't lean on her enough for that (laughs) when i'm trying to plan a trunk or treat i should be saying take this and run with it and i'm sitting here like scratching my head for five days trying to figure it out (laughs) and i have somebody over there who can do it and do beautifully with it and love that so that's a skill in its own is being able to leverage those resources being able to delegate those responsibilities and trust that people are going to do it and do it well so that's i mean talking about being vulnerable and having growth areas i know that's an area for me is knowing what those skills are I think I'd do that, but leveraging those and being able to give those things to people, like you were saying, and saying, you love this, you're great at it, do it, run with it. Yeah, and it's a
1: team effort, whether you're planning an event or uh, putting together uh, professional development or figuring out a way to get a mouse out of your uh, shared office. Um, (laughs) That's another story. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we were we, we, Joey and I. Joey was my principal, Eucalyptus, and there was one day we. She, she said, "What's that?" And I like, "What are you talking about?" And there was this little mouse scurrying uh, across the office.
3: i had been on top of the desk. And your yeah. office, like one yeah, big yeah big it's just one big
1: office. office. And we, the mouse ran behind the bookshelf. So now, all right, we've got him cornered. And <laughs> you have to picture this. Um, I was the muscle here, which is a different thing. Um, so as I'm lifting up the bookshelf, Joey's coming at it with a broom to sweep mickey out from behind the bookshelf so uh, i said all right is he gone and before she answered i dropped the bookshelf turns out the answer was no he wasn't gone but he
3: is gone he is gone
1: now (laughs) so we got on the we got on the phone with our our, the walkie-talkie with our uh, lead custodian. Said, uh dennis (laughs) um clean up (laughs) clean up in the office You, you might need a mop a vacuum cleaner um a priest I, mean, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, so that didn't was. read freedom his last rights, us, poor guy.
0: <laughs> he never right. saw it
1: coming. Never saw it
0: coming. He saw the light, he saw freedom, and then bam! From above. That was oh, it. man, so yeah so uh one other question questions before we get to something a little more lighthearted but um so you talked about how you identify how you choose principles administrators but now looking at once you've done that what is it that they all have in common so the ones you identify that you feel like they're successful or having high degrees of success what what do those principles have in common
2: i think they're one again you can say what you see what side like i come from a lot is they're builder of relationships first and foremost you know and Leadership style, I think if, if I had to say they're more the servant, they really have it in their heart to be servant leaders. Um, and uh, I'm going back to what we hire. They truly, sincerely love and care about their students and their staff, everybody on their campus. Uh, what else do they have? Outward mindset, the way they think about things now. Um, I know we've all read that the, the book, uh, I can't remember the title right <laughs> now um self-deception, <laughs> self-deception. Thank you. leadership and self-deception leadership right. and self-deception about that outward mindset and i, I have to say i'm really happy and to say that our, our administration has that outward mindset i believe that our people our staff our administrators look at people as people they don't forget that part that humanness part when we're working with them because we have you guys have a lot on your plates right as, as administrators you not it's we're very we do ed services we do curriculum instruction <laughs> assessment right that's very yeah. you know narrow in, involves, in in yeah. the bigger picture so you guys do that and you do personnel and you do business yeah. <laughs> right and you do uh, you know maintenance and operations and you do food service extermination extermination <laughs> <laughs> um, you and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so but with all of that on your plate i believe that you guys truly still look at the humanness of everybody as you address issues and problems i think that's something we see more common across our our great principles
0: and i i I don't want to cut you off i love what you said joey just that that servant's heart i know that's a phrase that's used a lot but you know you'd have to wonder if somebody's not in this to serve then why are they I can't think of any other yeah. good reason, especially in public education. If you're not truly here to serve kids and serve families, then, then why are you? Correct. Um, and I, I think that, that does show, I, I can only speak for myself across our district. I think that, that shows in the process you mm-hmm. get used to choose people. Yeah.
3: It's so funny because when you say that, I remember a staff meeting where I was the assistant principal and in the audience with somebody with whom I have a very different relationship with now, but at the time, was a teacher in the audience and years later was able to tell me the impression from the statement that I made that if you don't love kids, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And um, that that resonated. That it, and It's true. If yep. we don't love and care for our children and our families, we don't belong here. And I think our powerful principles it, it's this fine balance. There's this balance of, there's a creativity and an innovation and a courage to, um, to to try something, to take something and make it your own, to build something, to co-create with your own teams. And that is balanced with, because you never want just a whole bunch of, um, guess the only phrase I can think of is yes men (laughs) (laughs) we can't have that out at the sites because we don't just want somebody who's taking okay Mm -hmm. what is it that you want me to do okay I will go and I will do exactly that give it to me in a perfect little box tied with a bow and I will go and do it because then it doesn't personalize to the site it doesn't take culture into consideration it doesn't take the climate and the community into consideration you know you want every principal to have the strength to make something their own and to co-create it with their own teams so there's that balance between so that you have some some likeness across the district but then you also have some very apparent differences
0: and as there should be I don't know where I got it from I'm sure I read it in a book somewhere but the, that notion of, of not trying trying not to be the smartest person in the room oh, right? yeah. and you know and another way to say it is like trying to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you
1: I have that's no problem not being the smartest person <laughs> in the room which
2: is funny because that's Dumb what schedule. I say all the time I go I just have this little pea brain and I make sure I surround myself <laughs> right. with smart intelligent people yeah. who and chris you probably heard me through all those years at eucalyptus as well would always say we do what's right mm-hmm. for kids yeah.
0: yeah
2: and that if that is always our, our guiding light right do what's right we can always look ourselves in the mirror each day
1: yeah okay. that's a good place i think to wrap up the conversation about um what we look for in good principles that was great um so now so, we're going to do a principle evaluation um, for those uh, for those listeners that have listened to our first few of our episodes, or if you even heard our theme song, uh, Eric and I are, I don't know if fans are the right word. Um, but Fan we, comes from fanatic. I mean, right. you know, it's
0: one of those, uh, if you were an 80s kid,
1: well. So we've, we've talked a lot about the principal from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day oh, Off. Um, Edward Rooney. <laughs> Edward Rooney. Now, for anybody that's seen the movie... Um, or if you haven't seen the movie, first of all, shame on you. It's a great movie. Um, yeah, but your, your perspective on Ferris Bueller changes between the time you're 18 and the time you're in your mid-50s. Uh, but that's a whole different episode. Um, so Ferris is ditching the day, and his principal, Mr. Rooney, is sworn to catch him, to bust him, to make sure that he gets his comeuppance for just flaunting his truancy. Um, so... He goes about it in different ways. He tries to catch him. He goes off site, uh, tracks him, uh, I think, um, into downtown Chicago. He ends up breaking into his house, trying to catch him. Um, It just goes off the rails completely, and Ferris is always a step or two ahead of him. Uh, So uh, let's look at the pros and cons. Uh, uh, You know, we've all all seen the movie. Uh, So let's start with the positive, Joey. What What do we think Mr. Rooney did well?
2: What did he do? Well I'm having a really hard time with that. Yeah, he
0: wore I mean he wore a suit, I mean he dressed the part, I don't know. He
2: did wear a suit. He did yeah, he did wear
1: a suit. Well, I thought he was culture-focused. I mean, early in the movie, he says, I can't have 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running these hallways.
2: <laughs> Clearly. But his intent was because it made him look bad. Well, do we know that, though? <laughs> you know what?
3: <laughs> he was tenacious. There you there go. There
1: you go. Tenacious. You get the vocabulary award today. Yes. There was dichotomy earlier. <laughs> yes, uh, well tenacious. Said. You know, Excellent. There are yes. times
0: of the principle you need to be able to hyper-focus, right? Yeah. Yes. He, he was not focused necessarily on the right things. But, but he, he was certainly was able to hyper-focus yeah. on this particular
1: truancy problem at his school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, t- he takes attendance seriously. I mean, we all should, right? I mean, if kids aren't in school, they can't learn. And we, we need are to take reaching, seriously. But yes, yes, we're reaching. We're so
2: sure. if I have to throw out my passion word, he was passionate about yes. ensuring he came to school. <laughs> yeah,
1: and <laughs> right. he, he had some savvy. He wasn't easily fooled. I mean, early on when... Um, When he finds out that Ferris's girlfriend Sloane was being dismissed from class because of her dead (laughs) grandmother, he saw right through that. He's there, oh, when
2: when when they kissed?
3: No, 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 no.
1: before (laughs) then. Because remember when his secretary Grace, when Great Grace, when Grace comes in, he says. Who, who does Sloane Peterson hang out with? She goes, well, I do see her with Ferris Bueller quite a bit. Boom. He is right problem there. Solver, not even, not there even one go. beat of the eye, he had connected this dead grandmother routine with Ferris Bueller. Now, that comes back to bite him in a different way when Ferris and his friend Cameron pretend to be the father of the, right. and all of that stuff. Yes. So. All right, so I guess we can kind of and well, and ultimately, I mean, he did catch Ferris in the, at the end. I mean, he's mm-hmm. there at the house, and the only reason that Ferris gets away with it is because his sister kind of um, spoils the party for for Mr. Rumi, so
0: after spending the <laughs> whole movie trying to sabotage her own brother, course, right? Uh, like, eventually, they they both his Bacon, un- so to yeah, speak.
1: they're both united in their disdain for poor right. Mr. Rooney. <laughs> yeah. It's a, as all, as all good principles should, we bring families together. <laughs> um, all right, so let's look at his evaluation, though. What are some of the cons? What would you have done differently in his shoes? Which, by the way, ended up stuck in the mud somewhere. He did not have he any he shoes. He right. have <laughs> shoes, the end. end
0: of the movie. <laughs> I think he might have had one. One,
2: exactly. yeah. one. <laughs> I
0: think he had one. We were talking won. before, I thought uh, Michelle had a good take on this. I'd like to hear what she said from before about Mr.
2: He, well,
3: I mean, he was hyper-observant of... Ferris Bueller and completely unobservant of things like fire hydrants.
0: So <laughs> if Dogs. he took yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. So if he took that hyper focus, hyper observant, that tenacity, and used that to really look inside all of the classrooms for the instruction that was happening, maybe we wouldn't have had Bueller. Bueller, Bueller. that's
0: right. <laughs> he was very concerned about his you just made me think of another part of the movie, and he's so concerned about his 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 presence to the students. Remember when he's running down the hall? That was exactly what he was going he's running, running and he gets to a window, and he stops. Stop, and he, yeah. walks <laughs> and he walks <laughs> yeah. by the window, he stops yeah. and he stops. Because you know, he was trying to
1: keep an image, of course.
0: Yeah.
3: I'd like to say I haven't done that,
1: but. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't have a kid sitting there in history class, and you just see the, the principal, principal just flying by the, <laughs> yeah. the window. Everybody
2: would jump up. And no, that's know. What's a little organic, exactly.
1: right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? What were some other problems that he had, some other issues?
2: other issues and i'm gonna go back to what i always say too it's like he didn't seem to want to find out who ferris was and what was what was he about wow get to know him a little bit
0: understand his story yeah what is his story
2: and for me he sounded he seems like he was brilliant Mm -hmm. and he was bored to death and so he's gonna find different ways to learn yeah (laughs) he he wakes up looks (laughs) at the window
0: and it's blue sky yes. and he says who could go to school on a day like that's this right, exactly.
2: <laughs> that's a red flag yeah, but uh, yeah. find poetry. out the other the story behind this person and then maybe then he would have built a relationship and we wouldn't be where we are where
1: Right. He's ditching school. And my, my big issue with him was more personal. It's like he lives in Chicago, but he knows nothing about baseball. <laughs> I mean, he's got two teams in his hometown, and when he's at the pizza parlor or wherever, when he falsely accuses his teenage girl of being, being Ferris, it's a whole different issue. Uh, he's talking about the baseball game. says, who's winning? And the guy says, the Bears. Uh, the Bears. Uh, he goes, what's the yeah. score? Zero, zero. It's like, who's winning? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, dude, come on. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> So. I think
0: probably for me, the most important thing in terms of what he didn't do well is he could not keep his cool. And we all know, I mean, especially now, in light of everything going on, you've got to be that calm, cool, collected face, you know, for for your staff and your families, no matter what's going on. And he let this kid just get to him, and it happened the quickest. I mean, like you said earlier, when he's on the phone and calling the secretary, oh, he's
1: Grace! and
0: he's screaming, and he's just, he's just he was just mad. The whole movie, he was just
1: mad. I think my favorite line from, from Grace was, Oh, Ed, you sounded like Dirty Harry just then. <laughs> and he looked so proud of that. He's right? proud, yeah, yeah. He loved that. So. All right, well, there we go, Mr. Rooney. So, um, improvement plan, perhaps? For Mr. Rooney. Definitely, yes, an definitely. Improvement
2: plan. Definite, improvement plan. definite improvement plan. Anything
1: that you saw grounds for immediate dismissal, or do we uh, give him a chance to work through it? I don't
2: know. Breaking and entering a student's yeah. home? Yeah. In I guess, it's kind of a Inappropriate <laughs>
0: language. <laughs> Yeah. Tranquilized the dog. Didn't he knock the dog? Dog drop a, a yeah. Body, you he know did. what? Yeah, yeah. abusive. Um, yeah. knocks the dog out cold. The
3: poor girl on the bus who was trying to be nice. To yes, to right. share her candy out of her pocket. Yeah. and he just <laughs> throws it. That's right. Didn't He's appreciate it. Right. Yeah. No. No,
1: that's true.
0: He might have just needed a little nudge out the door. Yeah. Time. So yeah.
2: education may not be his, his strength. <laughs> being in education. Yeah.
0: Alright, so that brings us to this uh, this uh, extra credit portion of our podcast. We do this every time, so it's just kind of like a, like a little bonus. Um, and this one we're actually stealing from somebody who I know that Chris and I both yep. admire, and we've read lots of his books and heard him talk. Um, John Gordon. Um, and this is an activity that he's, he's put in, in several of his books, and it's, it's honestly just a way to kind of uh, you know mike robbins calls it lowering the water line and we know that trust which you talked a lot about today psychological safety is built by developing relationships and, and building vulnerability and this is one way to do that so john gordon calls it the three h's and the h's represent uh, a hero a hardship and a highlight so i'm just going to open that up to both of you somebody wants to go first and you can address any or all three of the h's but uh if you would just help indulge us and tell us about either a hero hardship or a highlight from your own life personally or professionally
2: a hero and a shero, I'm gonna say my parents. Nice. Um, they're both gone now, so I guess that's another thing. that's you know, they're, they're more prevalent in my mind now, more so, I think about them a lot. And I reflect back and the relationship that they had between each other, but their partnership in doing what's right for their family and their kids, they sacrificed a lot. They had an outstanding work ethic they to the point where my dad again we were air force we didn't have a lot of money and whatnot but they both wanted to make sure that the kids were with one of them all the time so he would work days air force and my mom would actually uh wait table she was a waitress in the evenings you know early on and so that way there was a he would come in we would have dinner then she would take off and so that was something that, you know, really resonates with me that she was able to try to balance working and raising four children. Um, and living or you know, we're Filipino living in Florida in the South was, was challenging in itself too. But they made it work. We could feel their love through everything they did for us. Um we may not have always agreed in some of the things they wanted us to do, but in the end now that we look back, it was all for the right reasons. Um so they're my hero and Shiro, if you will. Um, family was their priority. and that has now resonated. I think all of us have done that as their children made our families a priority. Yeah.
3: So funny because in, in a career you end up having so many different heroes throughout your career, mm-hmm. and it can be you know the person sitting next to you who fights for you in a really horrible situation. Um, it can be the um, the leader that you read the works of the the Michael Fullmans. Mm-hmm. It can be you know a professor at Cal State, Dr. Doris Wilson, huge hero for me. So those kind of you know you have different heroes at different moments, the heroes that you need in that moment. But my enduring heroes, I'd have to say are my kids, I have, (laughs) I have four of the most amazing kids, and I learn so much from them every single day. And so they are a source of that love and that reassurance that, you know, I've done something well. In, in this life. I, I will have some a, a beautiful legacy of something that I've done well in this life. They have taught me tolerance and they have taught me compassion and they have taught me the importance of, of being just open and loving at all times and so I would say that Gino, Alyssa, Adam and Brian, they are they are my heroes, my enduring heroes. That's awesome. That's great.
1: Well, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up on that note. Uh, You know, that's that's wonderful. And I think the one of the themes that kept coming out as as we spoke to both of you is the importance of building relationships, Uh, whether it's with your family or with your students, especially, or with your colleagues. um, That's really at the center of everything we do. Uh, So thank you both for being here. We appreciate it very much. Hope you had uh, as much fun as we did. Thank
3: you for the invite. Thank you.
0: And I will jump in and remind everybody who's listening, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a follow on podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, or the Podbean app. We will see you next time. All right. Thank you, everybody.
2: Thank you. Still here,
1: it's over. Go home.